Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank everyone who's filled out our survey so far. We've loved hearing from you about how you found the show this year and how we can make it even better. It's short, anonymous, and the link is still up in our show notes. Now for ABC News Daily. It could be one of the greatest strategic victories for Ukraine since the war began. The withdrawal of Russian troops from the southern city of Kherson, a key battleground. There's scepticism over exactly what Vladimir Putin is up to, but it's clear the Russian leader's war is faltering. Today, a former commander of US ground forces in Europe on what it means for Putin's grip on power and the future of the entire Russian Federation. I'm Lieutenant General Retired Ben Hodges. Uh, I am the former commander of U.S. Army Europe, and now I'm a senior advisor at Human Rights First. Ben Hodges, there's a famous Hemingway quote that you think describes what might be coming in the war in Ukraine. So the quote from Hemingway from uh, The Sun Also Rises is where the two guys are talking to each other and one of them asks the other, how did you go bankrupt? And the other guy answers, uh, gradually and then suddenly. And I think that that captures uh, what I believe is going to happen inside the Russian Federation over the next probably couple of years, that the Russian Federation is, there are centrifugal forces at work that are going to pull it apart. And of course, what's What's caused this is the uh, the last eight months in Ukraine. That all the miscalculations by the Kremlin on what was going to happen, and, and I believe we're, we just need to be prepared for the possibility of the breakup of the Russian Federation. It's a huge idea, the collapse of the Russian Federation, and let's come back to that in a moment and how you see that playing out. But first. I just want to touch on what's happening in Ukraine because Russia says it's withdrawing troops from Kherson in the south and we really, I suppose, have to wait and see how that all plays out. But you think Kherson is critical because it borders Crimea. So Crimea is is what makes the whole thing strategically important has the the seaports. It it juts out into the uh, Black Sea, of course. It's always provided its owner a platform from which to project power into the Black Sea region. So this is why Russia decided in 2014 to illegally annex it again. It's the prize. All roads lead to Crimea. As they get closer to Crimea, they will be bringing their HIMARS with them and other rocket long-range precision weapon systems. And once they get there closer to Crimea, and they can start using precision rockets against Russian airfields in Crimea, then, in my assessment, Crimea becomes untenable for the Russians. And this is, this is why I feel confident that not only will they push the Russians back to the 23 February line by the end of this year, so in the next two months, they will liberate Crimea by next summer. 
Well, let's return now to this idea of Hemingway's, that collapse may be gradual at first, but it could escalate quickly. If Ukraine wins this war, as you say it will, what happens to Vladimir Putin? What happens to Russia itself? You say there are three factors that could lead to the Russian Federation's collapse. So, of course, there will always be a Russian state. I want to be clear about that. And I also want to be clear, I'm not advocating for the breakup of the Russian Federation. But I I think there are factors at work that are taking them in that direction. First, because the military has been exposed as so vulnerable and weak and corrupt, I think that some of the 120 different ethnic groups and small republics that make up the Russian Federation see that this is their opportunity. I mean, particularly the ones in Central Asia and and further to the east inside Russian Federation borders, they're the ones that are paying the price. Most of the casualties that are happening over the last eight months are coming from these smaller, poorer parts of the Russian Federation. And I think some of them, like Dagestan, for example, maybe even Chechnya, see this as their opportunity to finally get out from underneath the Russian imperialistic uh, control. The the last Chechen war in 1999-2000, I mean, Russia easily won that. You know, it's a tiny Muslim republic in southern Russia. Mm. It's only got about one and a half million people there. Surely Russia could win if there was another conflict of that nature. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you challenged me on that because that's, that's kind of was the conventional wisdom. And, mm. and uh, I mean, that's what we thought before Ukraine too, that surely Russia, is, with all their big military, will, will crush whatever. But what we've seen is that the Russian military is so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part of the reason I overestimated it myself. I failed to appreciate the depth of corruption inside the ministry and inside the military and, and that they, they have performed so poorly. Ukraine says they've recaptured 6,000 square kilometres of territory from Russian forces in under two weeks, a blitz that has surprised even the Ukrainians themselves. You are touching on an important part here, though, because Kadyrov, who's the head of the Chechens, mm. has his own sort of power, power centre there, if you will. He's a loudmouth advocate for doing more damage in Ukraine, but if you look closely, most soldiers are not actually involved in, in most of the intensive fighting. So he's, he's making a lot of noise and, and talks a lot, but it appears that he's actually protecting most of his forces. And I think that, you know, he's protecting his own capabilities to be able to break away or take over himself inside the Kremlin. So I think that's one of the that's one of the factors. He, he's not beloved by the general staff in the Kremlin, that's for sure. So ethnic conflict is one factor that you point to that could uh, result in the breakup of the Russian Federation. What's the second one? Uh, the, the second factor is that the economy is in tatters. Totality of our sanctions, no export controls, is crushing Russian economy. The whole strategy is take Russia's economy uh, to the brink of collapse. It appears to be working. The Russian ruble uh, continues to collapse. You know, the thing, the two things that uh, made their economy go were the sale of, of uh, energy and the sale of weapons. And nobody is going to be interested in buying Russian weapons 
after seeing the performance of, of much of Russia's equipment and with sanctions in place, that makes Russian defense industry even less uh, appealing for prospective markets. And then, of course, Europe is, I, I, live in, I live in Frankfurt, Germany, and Europe had already begun to move away from its terrible dependence on, on Russian energy. And I think the Kremlin played the gas cart a little too early so that even Germany had time to make the necessary adjustment. This is the last winter that Russia is going to be able to disrupt anybody's economy using gas as a weapon. So the economy is in terrible shape. And I think that people in uh, the domestic population, they are beginning to feel this as well. It's not just, it's not just oligarchs. It's not just the military. That, that is a devastating impact on their quality of life, which actually was never that good for most people living outside of Moscow in St. Petersburg. You're saying there are three factors that could lead to the collapse of the Russian Federation. The first is an uprising by ethnic Russians or even another Chechen war, a third Chechen war. The second factor is the pressure on the Russian economy. What's the third factor in your view? The third factor is when you think about a population of about 144 million, uh, which is a small population, by the way, for a country that, that, that is so large, this massive country with 11 time zones, mm. they can't control. They can't control their borders. The, the, the Chinese, I think, are probably looking at Siberia saying, okay, that's really ours. And I don't think that the Russians will be able to stop it. So when you put those factors together under the pressure of what is happening in Ukraine. This is why I think it's this sort of gradual and then sudden. You note that it's not something many people are talking about, this idea, the possibility of the collapse of the Russian Federation. But you think we should very seriously be preparing for it. Well, I think, um, you know, I'm old enough to have been a... uh, uh, an officer back at when the uh, Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, I had been in the Army about 10 years by that time and I had served in West Germany during the Cold War. So, of course, when the Soviet Union came apart, it was like, it was good news because you could see the reunification of Germany. It was like, all right, the Cold War is, is over. But that was about the extent of, my, of the thinking of most of us because it happened so quickly. We, we, were, we were caught by surprise. And many people assumed that, okay, good, Russia, now they're free, so they're going to become capitalistic, they're going to be democratic, and everything's going to be better, and uh, we'll never have to worry about Russian aggression again. How naive we were. And so um, I think that we, we need to be considering what are the possibilities or the implications if the Russian Federation comes apart. There are thousands of nuclear weapons that are out there, and of course, Iran would love to get their hands on some of those nuclear weapons. The energy infrastructure, I mean, Russia has endless amounts of natural resources that that can help. Who's gonna control all that? So I I think these are some of the issues that um, need to be considered in case the Russian Federation were to come apart. Mm, and for Putin, what's next? Well, what, what I see is that Ukraine 
um, has achieved irreversible momentum. Mm -hmm. It's too early to plan victory parades, but they have achieved irreversible momentum and that Russian Federation forces are losing in almost every aspect of this conflict. As we know from history, war is a test of will and it's a test of logistics. Ukrainians clearly have demonstrated superior will both in the military and in the population. And it's the logistics that have gotten so much better for them, thanks to the West, and because of the exhaustion of the Russian logistics system. That, that's why I have optimism that Ukraine will be successful here. Retired Lieutenant General Ben Hodges is the former commander of the US ground forces in Europe. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Pete. Over the weekend, catch This Week with David Lipson, where he'll be looking at the US midterm results and what they mean for Donald Trump's presidential ambitions. I'm Sam Hawley. Don't forget to fill out our survey in the show notes. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.